Hello, I'm Kevin Hayes, the Story Man. Welcome back to the Nightly Bedtime Story. Tonight we will continue with the reading of Peter and Wendy. Peter Pan, written by J.M. Barry. Tonight we will continue with Episode 5. When we left our characters last night, Nana was throwing a fit outside, so Liza had to go get her off of her chain and bring her into the house and take her into the room so she could show her there was not a problem. And then she left the room with Nana, believing Nana was wrong. Oh, no. Nana was indeed right, because Peter was in there with Michael, John, and Wendy, and they were hiding. Let's see what happens tonight in Episode 5 of Peter Pan. We now return to the nursery. It's all right, John announced, emerging from his hiding place. I say, Peter, can you really fly? Instead of troubling to answer him, Peter flew around the room, taking the mantelpiece on the way. How topping, said John and Michael. How sweet, cried Wendy. Yes, I'm sweet. Oh, I am sweet, said Peter forgetting his manners again. It looked delightfully easy, and they tried it first from the floor and then from the beds, but they always went down instead of up. I say, how do you do it? asked John, rubbing his knee. He was quite a practical boy. You just think lovely, wonderful thoughts, Peter explained, and they lift you up in the air. He showed them again. You're so nippy at it, John said. Couldn't you do it very slowly once? Peter did it both slowly and quickly. I've got it now, Wendy, cried John, but soon he found he had not. Not one of them could fly an inch, though even Michael was in words of two syllables, and Peter did not know A from Z. Of course, Peter had been trifling with them, for no one can fly unless the fairy dust has been blown on them. Fortunately, as we have mentioned, one of his hands was messy with it, and he blew some on each of them, with the most superb results. Now, just wriggle your shoulders this way, he said, and let go. They were all on their beds, and gallant Michael let go first. He did not quite mean to let go, but he did it, and immediately he was borne across the room. I flewed, he screamed while still in midair. John let go, and met Wendy near the bathroom. Oh, lovely! Oh, ripping! Look at me! Look at me! Look at me! They were not nearly so elegant as Peter. They could not help kicking a little, but their heads were bobbing against the ceiling, and there's almost nothing so delicious as that. Peter gave Wendy a hand at first, but had to desist. Tink was so indignant. Up and down they went, and round and round. Heavenly was Wendy's word. I say, cried John, why shouldn't we all go out? Of course it was to this that Peter had been luring them. Michael was ready. He wanted to see how long it took him to do a billion miles. But Wendy hesitated. Mermaids, said Peter again. Oh, and there are pirates. Pirates, cried John, seizing his Sunday hat. Let us go at once. It was just at this moment that Mr. and Mrs. Darling hurried with Nana out of 27. They ran into the middle of the street to look up at the nursery window, and yes, it was still shut. 
but the room was ablaze with light, and most heart-gripping sight of all, they could see in shadow on the curtain three little figures in night attire, circling round and round, not on the floor, but in the air. Not three figures. Four. In a tremble they opened the street door. Mr. Darling would have rushed upstairs, but Mrs. Darling signed to him to go softly. She even tried to make her heart go softly. Will they reach the nursery in time? If so, how delightful for them, and we shall all breathe a sigh of relief, but there will be no story. On the other hand, if they are not in time, I solemnly promise that it will all come right in the end. They would have reached the nursery in time had it not been that the little stars were watching them. Once again, the stars blew the window open, and that smallest star of all called out, Cave, Peter! Then Peter knew that there was not a moment to lose. Come, he cried imperiously, and soared out at once into the night, followed by John and Michael and Wendy. Mr. and Mrs. Darling and Nana rushed into the nursery, too late. The birds were flown. Chapter 4 The Flight Second to the right and straight on till morning. That, Peter had told Wendy, was the way to the Neverland. But even birds carrying maps and consulting them at Windy Corners could not have sighted it with these instructions. Peter, you see, just said anything that came into his head. At first his companions trusted him implicitly, and so great were the delights of flying that they wasted time circling round church spires or any other tall objects on the way that took their fancy. John and Michael raced, Michael getting a start. They recalled with contempt that not so long ago they had thought themselves fine fellows for being able to fly round a room. Not so long ago. But how long ago? They were flying over the sea before this thought began to disturb Wendy seriously. John thought it was their second sea and their third night. Sometimes it was dark and sometimes light, and now they were very cold and again too warm. Did they really feel hungry at times, or were they merely pretending because Peter had such a jolly new way of feeding them? His way was to pursue birds who had food in their mouths suitable for humans and snatch it from them. Then the birds would follow and snatch it back, and they would all go chasing each other gaily for miles, parting at last with mutual expressions of goodwill. But Wendy noticed with gentle concern that Peter did not seem to know that this was rather an odd way of getting your bread and butter, nor even that there are other ways. Certainly they did not pretend to be sleepy. They were sleepy, and that was a danger, for the moment they popped off, down they fell. The awful thing was that Peter thought this was funny. There he goes again, he would cry gleefully as Michael suddenly dropped like a stone. Save him, save him, cried Wendy, looking with horror at the cruel sea far below. Eventually Peter would dive through the air and catch Michael just before he could strike the sea. And it was lovely the way he did it. But he also waited till the last moment and you felt it was his cleverness that interested him and not the saving of human life. Also, he was fond of variety, and the sport that engrossed him one moment would suddenly cease to engage him, so there was always the possibility that the next time you fell, he would let you go. 
He could sleep in the air without falling, by merely lying on his back and floating. But this was, partly at least, because he was so light that if you got behind him and blew, he went faster. Do be more polite to him, Wendy whispered to John when they were playing Follow My Leader. Then tell him to stop showing off, said John. When playing Follow My Leader, Peter would fly close to the water and touch each shark's tail in passing, just as in the streets you may run your finger along an iron railing. They could not follow him in this with much success, so perhaps it was rather like showing off, especially as he kept looking behind to see how many tails they missed. You must be nice to him, Wendy impressed on her brothers. What could we do if he were to leave us? We could go back, Michael said. How could we ever find our way back without him? Well, then, we could go on, said John. That is the awful thing, John. We should have to go on, for we don't know how to stop. This was true. Peter had forgotten to show them how to stop. John said that if the worst came to the worst, all they had to do was to go straight on, for the world was round, and so in time they must come back to their own window. And who is to get food for us, John? I nipped a bit out of that eagle's mouth pretty neatly, Wendy. After the twentieth try, Wendy reminded him, and even though we became good at picking up food, see how we bump against clouds and things if he is not near to give us a hand? Indeed, they were constantly bumping. They could now fly strongly, though they still kicked far too much. But if they saw a cloud in front of them, the more they tried to avoid it, the more certainly did they bump into it. If Nana had been with them, she would have had a bandage round Michael's forehead by this time. Peter was not with them for the moment, and they felt rather lonely up there by themselves. He could go so much faster than they that he would suddenly shoot out of sight to have some adventure in which they had no share. He would come down laughing over something fearfully funny he had been saying to a star. But he had already forgotten what it was, or he would come up with mermaid scales still sticking to him and yet not be able to say for certain what had been happening. It was really rather irritating to children who had never seen a mermaid. And if he forgets them so quickly, Wendy argued, how can we expect that he will go on remembering us? Indeed, sometimes when he returned, he did not remember them, at least not well. Wendy was sure of it. She saw recognition come into his eyes as he was about to pass them the time of day and go on. Once even, she had to tell him her name. I'm Wendy, she said agitatedly. He was very sorry. I say, Wendy, he whispered to her. Always, if you see me forgetting you, just keep on saying I'm Wendy and then I'll remember. Of course, this was rather unsatisfactory. However, to make amends, he showed them how to lie out flat on a strong wind that was going their way. And this was such a pleasant change that they tried it several times and found they could sleep thus with security. Indeed, they would have slept longer, but Peter tired quickly of sleeping, and soon he would cry in his captain voice, We get off here. So, with occasional tiffs, but on the whole rollicking, they drew near the Neverland, for after many moons they did reach it, and, what is more, they had been going pretty straight all the time, not perhaps so much owing to the guidance of Peter or Tink as because the island was out looking for them. It is only thus 
that anyone may sight those magic shores. There it is, said Peter calmly. Where, where? Where all the arrows are pointing. Indeed, a million golden arrows were pointing out the island to the children, all directed by their friend the sun, who wanted them to be sure of their way before leaving them for the night. The End For Tonight I hope you liked tonight's episode 5 of Peter Pan. Well, this story is getting more exciting all the time, isn't it? Now they're flying through the air. Peter was actually grabbing shark tails as he went by in the ocean, flying. Now, that's quite an adventure. Well, the island's below him now. The sun's pointing it out with a million golden arrows. Tomorrow... We'll see how the island turns out when they get there. I'm Kevin Hayes, the Story Man. I'll be back tomorrow night to read you the next episode of Peter Pan, Peter and Wendy, written by J.M. Barry. But for tonight, good night.